Welcome to the Health Business Growth Show, where we take you behind the scenes of the top health businesses to learn how they built their success. Remember, success leaves clues, and we're going to be sharing those with you. I'm your host, JJ Bergen, Inc. 5000 founder of the Mindshare Collaborative, along with members of our Mindshare Mentor team. And each week, we are joined by some of the most brilliant, innovative, and okay, slightly unhinged health business experts you're going to ever meet. These folks have built empires from scratch, navigated the choppy waters of entrepreneurship, and will be sharing both their struggles and their successes on the journey of creating a thriving health business. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level by learning from the best, you are in the right place. In each episode of the Health Business Growth Show, we'll tackle real-world, relevant topics to help you build your audience and scale your income. From marketing to mindset, from hiring to firing, and everything in between. We'll share our own stories of success and failure, interview some of the most amazing guests in the health business world, and we promise to never take ourselves too seriously. Because let's be honest, building your health business can be a bit challenging at times. Success takes resilience, creativity, courage, and a willingness to step outside of your comfort zone. And we are here to help you navigate through all of it. Find the humor in the chaos and build a health business that's truly worth it. So let's get this party started. We are so glad you are here. So friends, we can't necessarily time travel. Well, not to the best of my knowledge anyway, but we thought for this episode of the Health Business Growth Show, we wanted to go back in time to some previous summits and look at a few of the gems that were shared from some of our keynote speakers. And with the Mindshare Summit upon us, we thought it was a great time to share these. So you're going to hear in this episode from Brendan Bouchard, from Marie Folio, and from Lisa Nichols, some of those mic drop moments from some of these previous summits that we know you're going to love. And first up, you're going to hear from Brendan. He is the world's leading high-performance coach, and he really does help people to grow in their personal lives, which obviously translates to all aspects of their life. So let's hear from Brendan. We all get a second chance. But what happens is we have to anchor back into ourselves, become more present and set an intention to live the highest quality of life. I know you already teach that, but if you're happy to be here and you recognize the blessings of us being together right now, everyone just put your hands in there and say, I'm here. Shout it out. Say, I'm here. Because at some point you do that in life. That's it. At some point you just raise your hand, go, I'm here. Let's go. That's what happens. I'm here. I'm ready. I want to serve. I want to give. I want to go to a higher level. It just happens one day. Some of you, that's happened so many times throughout your careers. And some of you, you've been for shit for the last five years and you know you've been checked out. It's true for all of us. We all get in that. Sometimes you're crushing it, then you get stuck. Sometimes you're crushing it, sometimes you get stuck. So my question was, how do I not do that? Because I had the intention, I want to live the best quality life as possible. And I already knew, the good news is, I already knew I sucked. I had already been a miserable bastard. It's such a good, who's ever been a miserable bastard in the room? Anybody ever? God, what a gift. 
If you haven't been a miserable bastard yet, it will hit you. It's going to happen. Everybody, it happens for everybody. And then when it happens and you recognize you don't want to be a miserable bastard anymore, the first thing you do is you start going to personal development. Who's happened? Is that happened for you in this room? Yeah, say, I'm here. And then what's the first thing you look at to change your life? First thing, beliefs and habits, right? That's the foundation of all of it. So that's what I did. I said, okay, what habits matter? And then the problems started happening in my life. Because what do they tell you when you want to change your life? Work on these habits. This is what they're going to tell you to do. And these are good habits. These matter. This is what people to tell you. And many of you have that big dream. Here's what they told you. Start. Work hard. Be passionate. Focus on your strengths. Practice a lot. Stick to it and be grateful. The issue was, my parents did all that. And we were still struggling. The issue was when I made my first big money, I was doing that, but it wasn't leading me to the next big money. So now you have to say, okay, what's the habits that matter the most? And for those of you in this room who text me today or have been texting me the last three years, the reason you didn't hear from me was because I took on the hardest project of my career period. Sorry to about 20% of you. Because <laughs> this is what I did the last three years of my life. This was it. This was my biggest project, the hardest thing. We conducted the world's largest study of high performers. And I said, I want to do it in a disciplined way. I want to do it in, with real rigor. I want to have every academic and any scientist who wants to look at this and go, holy crap, these guys went for the wall. They did it right. This became the best-selling book for high performance that ever happened, but Amazon's top three business and leadership book of last year because of the rigor that went behind it. We did 190 countries sampled. I found out from Montana. If you had asked me from Montana, I thought there was like 80 countries. There's 193, if you didn't know. We did 500,000 academically validated assessments, 2 million online assessments with data points, 300,000 organizational employees in the partnership organizations that we measured and monitored, global surveys, all the academic literature reviews, teamed up with the University of Pennsylvania academics to make sure I was doing it right. Because I already had my opinion. You guys already know, I've been teaching High Performance Academy for almost 10 years at that point. So I already thought I knew, I already thought I knew what was right. And I'm here to publicly say I was wrong on many things. I wouldn't have guessed what made the list. Because here's one thing we did. We had over hundred different performance variables. There's all these variables, like in, in the academic sciences or performance sciences or expert competency development. There's about 100 different performance metrics that they've validated before that they know. If you practice these, you'll get ahead. These will help you. They'll make you happier. They'll bring you more joy. They'll help you get promoted faster, increase your income. They're super awesome. But then I want to know, okay, which of these habits are deliberate? Like high performers know they're doing. If I sat you down for a three-hour interview, which I did with 300 people for this book, if we did that, then tell me, would you know what you are doing to be good? That's meaning it's deliberate. Is it observable? Can I see you doing it? Is it something that's malleable? Is it trainable? And is it effective across domains? In healthcare industry, in CEO land, with assistance, with restaurateurs, with anybody around the world. It only came down that six were strongly correlated with long-term success. I know you guys have the book and you can read it, all the fancy 50 pages of science behind it, which I did need help writing that part because it was super hard. And here's what we learned. In general, high performance means succeeding beyond standard norms consistently over the long term. High performers, here's how they describe it universally. 
they feel, you feel like you're high performing when you're fully engaged. When you're what? Fully engaged. So my friends in this room, when your businesses who are having trouble in your business, the opposite is avoidance. You gotta, as a high performer, get good at going, what am I avoiding? Who's that person I'm supposed to have that conversation with? I haven't had that conversation with. Who's that person you should have fired two years ago? Time to engage that conversation. What's that thing you're not getting from your spouse that you've been avoiding asking for? Time to engage that conversation. What are those obstacles and those challenges? You know, if you took them, it'd make you better, but you keep avoiding it. Avoidance is the opposite of engagement. The problem is avoidance is a great short-term strategy to feel pretty good about yourself, but it's also a terrible long-term strategy to actually grow. They also said that they experience a lot of joy. And I've seen the pictures from your parties last night. It seems like you guys have this joy thing down pretty good. And if you've been in my world forever, I'm always telling people, you don't have energy, you generate energy. Joy is not something you have either. It's something you generate. So you have to do that more. And then confidence. High performers have a higher degree of confidence than underperformers. And it's not just because they're more competent. It's because they knew that confidence was necessary. We'll talk about that later. So here's a few things we learned. One, there's no excuses, which this room, you probably don't need to know this, even though your excuses are probably hurting you pretty bad. And that is high performance was not correlated with your age. It's not correlated with your male or female. It's not correlated with what region of the US you live in, nor the region of the world you live in. It's not correlated with compensation, which most people know, because how many of you know someone who's pretty well compensated who's a lazy ass? Anyone? Okay. How many of you know someone with years of experience who's also a lazy ass? See, that when everyone always argues, no, 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 no. Of course, people with more experience are higher performing. I'm like, I know a lot of experienced people who've been sitting on their ass for five years. What are you talking about? But that's what's powerful. There is no excuse for you not becoming a high performer. You just need to know the habits of all of this. Here's another thing that I like to tell an audience like this, that it's not only about your strengths. We all came up in a time, I say we as a generation, if you're alive right now and you're an adult, you all experienced the strengths-based revolution, which left so much bad science on the floor and also is not correlated with long-term success the way high performance is. So here's the situation with strengths. High performers do not report working on their strengths any more than the average person. Here's why. Because high performers, as you see, they don't, their whole thing is, they're not going around, what am I good at? What do I love? What's my deepest passion? I'm only going to do that ever. That's not what they're saying. High performers are asking this question, what's required to be of service here? And how do I grow into that? For example, what's required to be of service here? I hated speaking. Some of you guys know that story. Bo Eason, who was here with you, give a round of my man, Bo Eason. Was he kicking ass? I found Bo Eason at a speech we both got booked for and I saw him do his one-man play and I went up to him afterwards in the parking lot as we were all walking to beers and I said, hey man, hey, how you doing? He's, what's up? I said, hey, can you teach people to do that? He goes, what? Can you teach people to do what you just did? He goes, no, I do, man, I'm a, I do community theater, man. I said, I know, but I have this seminar. Could you come there and, and teach people how to do what you do there? And he's, what? And he totally thought I was full of shit, which everyone, half of you do in this room right now. I'll, I'll keep working. But that's what happens. And the first time he got on stage, he couldn't teach. He was an amazing performer, but he'd never known how to teach. But he didn't go, I don't know how to teach, because that's not Bo. 
Because high performers don't do that. They don't go, well, I don't know how, or I guess I'm not gifted at that. I'm not natural at that. Bo got to work and became an unbelievable teacher because he said, what's required to be of service to help these people? Some of you keep resting on what you're good at and you're comfortable at, and you're not going to the next level because you're not willing to say, what's required to be of service at the next level? You're trying to say, how do I optimize at this level? Optimization is called kindergarten. It is. Optimization is like level one personal development, isn't it? Optimization is level one personal development. Level two is new. Optimizing a car versus building a new one, two different things. I love optimization, but you can't rest on that because we have to say, what's the next level for us? And sometimes the next level is new. There's new skills you have to learn as we'll talk about. What else did we learn? Only those six habits correlated with long-term success. Here's what they are. Now, some of you, you might be like, Brennan, I got this personal development, man. You look like you're 15. I, Dude, I could teach you in laps. And I, I know it. I know it. But let me ask you this. If you can learn to speak to your audiences to get them to adopt more of what you're trying to teach or sell, would that be beneficial? So when you write these six habits down, learn to start speaking this language. Because everybody who is buying from you or coming to you, they're looking to go to another level too. But they might not know what that means. They might not have read my book or been in your world or done personal development. Most people in the world, how many of you guys would agree, and I don't mean to be like facetious about this group, but wouldn't you guess in this room that you've done a little more personal development than the average person in the world? It's true. If you read three books last year, you're ahead of the average person in the world. Okay, so it doesn't take a tremendous amount of work to get ahead in terms of your development. And most people don't know it. So some of these you might know, like this first one. I think this is so obvious. Habit number one of high performers is they seek clarity more often and with finer distinction than underperformers. Seek clarity. Doesn't say get clarity. Says seek clarity which is why you're all here. We're all seekers in some level in our lives, I'm sure. And so you have to seek clarity. Here's what we learned about high performers. They seek clarity in four areas more than everybody else. The first area they seek clarity in is self. This is where that work is I just referenced. Here's what they do. They say, okay, who do I want to be in the future? And they're trying to actively grow into that, which I know is so simple. But here's how psychologists measure this, which is really cool. I didn't know this. Here's how they can tell if you have intention for identity. They'll ask you to do the same things we do at High Performance Academy. They'll ask you, describe your ideal self to me in the best picture as you can, go. Guess what? Underperformers take longer to get to the answer. Their answer is longer and their answer involves more adjectives than high performers. So high performers can go, oh, my ideal self looks like this, is like that, let's go. They got it because they've already done the work to have the intention to know what it is. So if I sat you down and I said at lunch, tell me about your ideal self and you're, you're probably in the underperforming category in your industry, sorry, I'll buy lunch. But that's what ends up happening. So first, self. Second area, social interaction. They have more intention for the social interaction they go into. This means a high-performance salesperson before they go into that group meeting or they go to pitch something, 
they're intentional about the person they want to project and the influence they want to have in the room. So they think about it. This is where most of a room like this, you stink at because you're good. What I mean by that, what happens when you become successful, which has happened for most of the people in this room, what's happened for many of us, you get so good, you can go through the motions. See, you're better at what you're doing than maybe your team or maybe your clients. Good seeing you. And because you're better at your, than your team or your clients or your peers or your spouse, you have that beautiful benefit of you can just show up and be good. You can show up and outrun them. You can show up, outthink them. You can show up, outdeliver them. And it's no problem for you. And that is the greatest danger on earth is when you get so good that you can just show up and do your thing. That is how I know you're gonna pay me more. That's it. Because that's what happens to people. You get so good. It's the worst place to be in the world where you're so good, you can just show up and flow and wing it because that means you're leaving potential on the table. Because how many of you already know you can be so much better when you prepare? You can be so much better when you think through it, when you have intention. But many of you, you just show up to work each day. You got in the car, you went to work, you show up, you haven't really thought through the day. It's not true for everybody in the room and I'm not being flippant to anybody in the room. I just know this happens for so many people because you're so good. And it's why it's so easy to get so much more out of you without wrecking your life. The beautiful thing about high performance is we've proven over and over and over, you can achieve high performance without compromising your health or your positive relationships. It's the number one fear of women in the high performance studies. They fear wanting more because they believe it will compromise either their health or their family time. They don't believe they can become more successful without taking away family time. And it's just not true. It takes different sets of intentions, different sets of habits, different sets of setting up the right support, but it is not true. Trust me, I've had the blessing of working with the best, the highest powered, and the highest paid women in the world. They're unbelievable at what they can do, and they're still good moms. They're still good wives. And if that makes an impossible standard for people, I'm like, screw impossible standards. If you got somebody who's doing something good, even if you don't like them, learn the habit that maybe you could put in. Because how many of you know you're not optimizing your time? Be honest. So you're not even optimizing your time. So how are you going to build the right kind of time to get to the next level of wealth? This is why clarity is so important. Here's the next two real fast ones. They sought clarity again on self, on social. Here's my favorite ones that I love that I know most of you geek out on with me on. The third one is skill. High performers can identify the next five skills they are working to develop. Do you know what the most successful subject line of all time is? You are not alone. One of the most common statements I hear when people attend our events is, oh my gosh, I found my people. I don't feel alone anymore. In fact, Mindshare started because I was at a marketing event. And when I asked one of the experts the best way to build my business, he said, do it through collaboration. The only challenge was that I was going to these events and there were very few health professionals or health business owners in the room. So I started inviting my peers to come to the events and join me for lunch where we could share best practices and get to know each other. Well, we quickly outgrew those meeting rooms and I decided we should hold our own event, which has become our annual gathering, now in its 10th year, the Mindshare Leadership Summit. This unique event is a combination of facilitated networking that even the biggest introvert enjoys so that you'll leave the event with at least 10 great relationships to help expand your impact. 
There's strategic training by your peers to share what's working right now in their health businesses so that you can increase your income and incredible keynotes by notables, including Dr. Joe Dispenza, Marie Forleo, Lisa Nichols, and Brendan Burchard to help you expand your vision. We also have our Future of Health Talk competition where you will help select the winner or you can even compete yourself to get featured in the media and top podcasts. And because in my next life, I really want to be a party planner. We include a world-class costume party and a celebratory gala featuring our Impact Awards, where we acknowledge the incredible achievements of our members. This year's event is October 5th through 8th at the spectacular JW Marriott Camelback Resort and Spa in Scottsdale, Arizona. Attendance is by application only, so to learn more and apply, go to MindshareSummit.com. Now, this is our 10th anniversary year, so the celebration is going to be off the hook. You do not want to miss it. So again, MindshareSummit.com. See you there. Now, Marie Folio was actually at last year's Mindshare Leadership Summit, and she blew the roof off. She was amazing. You're going to hear from her now, share just a little gem as to how we can really create more time for ourselves. And it's something that we really need to prioritize and carve out. I want to take you in a new direction today and give you things that have so made a difference in my life over the past few years and have made an extraordinary, some might say, quantum difference too. I walked downstairs in the middle of one afternoon, and I saw it. It was calling to me. It took everything I had to resist it. It was my couch. I wanted to lie down on that thing so badly because I was so exhausted. But then I heard the voice in my head. You can't take a break. There's no breaks for you. You've got another interview coming up in two hours. You got to go to the store and get groceries for dinner. You got to give Kuma his medication and he needs to be taken to the vet today. You've got about 100 emails, 12 texts, those design approvals. And oh, yeah, you promised you would call your parents. So no, there's no five minute break for you. And then I remember not giving myself permission to put my head down on the couch, even for five minutes, because you know what that would mean? That would mean I was lazy unproductive, not ambitious enough. And if I need to put my head down on the couch, even for five minutes, you know what that really means? It means that I don't have what it takes to be as successful and as accomplished as I hope to be. So what did I do? I pushed myself to keep going. I grabbed yet another cup of coffee. I marched back upstairs and I kept on working. Because pushing and pushing myself and punishing myself, that must be the secret to success, right? I've been doing it my whole life. Look how far it's gotten me. I can't stop now. So many of you, everything's resting on my shoulders. Everyone's depending on me. Can anyone relate? And if I stop or slow down, even for a few minutes, Everything I've worked so hard for is going to fall apart. Now, I wish I could tell you that this was an isolated incident, but it wasn't. It was as if no matter how many hours I put in or how hard I worked, it was never enough. To the point where, and this got really scary, 
I started waking up every day, and one of the first thoughts that popped in my mind when my eyes opened was this. I can't do this anymore. I want to run away from my life. I wish I could just disappear for a while and not exist. Anyone? And look, I was doing all of the things, right? So I was meditating. I was working out. I was eating. I was sleeping. I was journaling. And as somebody who has ADHD, those things, they're usually lifesavers for me. But at this particular point in the journey, they weren't helping. I just felt trapped and exhausted by my life. And then I started to feel this depression and anxiety. And then I had so much shame around that. So yeah, I knew I had a problem, but I was caught in this spiral and I was having a hard time seeing a way out. Now, to be fair, All of this pushing and pushing, all this punishing and punishing, it definitely created results. Just not all of them were what I was aiming for. I learned that my adrenals were totally shot. A doctor told me based on my labs, she said, Marie, it's a miracle that you're able to even get up every day. I started having all of these unusual pains in my body. I went to the doctor And we found all these tumors growing inside of me, including one big one outside of my uterus, the size of a grapefruit, pushing all of my other organs out of place and causing a lot of pain. And so I had to have an urgent hysterectomy just to make the pain stop. I believe what most people don't realize and what most mission-driven entrepreneurs don't realize is the power that comes with your own beliefs around time and productivity. And that power can create one of two vastly different worlds, one of two vastly different lives. One is this toxic treadmill of never-ending stress and pressure and exhaustion that leads to massive mediocrity, misery, and underperformance. You're not reaching anywhere near your full potential and some part of you knows it. Sure, you're hustling all the time. You are grinding all the time. But the important stuff, like the stuff that matters deep in your heart, that never seems to get done. This is really the world of time stress. It is the program that we've all been conditioned into. And it's a trap that much of the world is stuck in right now and we don't even realize that there's another option. We're all living in this modern ecosystem that's drenched in distractions and interruptions, and it's creating chaos in our brains, which is leading to disease in our bodies and despair in our hearts. The truth is that the environments that we're existing in are completely at odds with how our brains and our bodies are built to thrive. Did you guys know this? Did you know that the average American right now will now spend the equivalent of 44 years of their life staring at screens? 44 years between our iPhones and our laptops and our desktops and our televisions and our Kindles and our gaming devices. 44 years. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think 44 years staring at a screen is the purpose of a human life. I don't think it's the purpose of your human life. I think that you were created for more. In fact, I know you were created for more. 
So it's no wonder that so many of us have been struggling because we're caught in what I call time stress. It's no wonder that so many of us are scratching our heads and going, there's got to be more to life than this, right? There's got to be a different way. There's got to be a better way. And if you've been saying that to yourself lately, I'm here to tell you that you're right. There is a different way. There is a better way. It's like a whole different time paradigm. One, frankly, that feels like paradise. Because in this paradigm, you actually have spaciousness. You have energy. You have joy. And we call this new world, this new time paradigm, the world of being a time genius. Now, what's really cool is that in any given moment, you have the choice of which of these two worlds that you want to live in. You have the choice which of these two worlds that you're going to cultivate and ultimately make your reality. And I think the best thing of all, that choice is always 100% within your control. So what I want to do today is to show you how you can get out of that world and into this one how you can begin to escape the world of time stress for good and embrace the reality of being a time genius. So not only can you start feeling better, but that so you can finally start reaching your fullest potential, but you can do so in a way that is full of energy and joy, that you can start experiencing that same level of creative freedom and time freedom and location freedom that so many of you became entrepreneurs for in the first place. Cool? So let's dive in. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is a wonderful little science back trick that will help you begin to rewire your brain out of the world of time stress and into the world of being a time genius. Now, this trick is super simple. It works like magic. And you're going to be able to start using it today, like right now. Before we go there, though, I want to baseline us. So step number one in becoming a time genius is recognizing that it's an inside job. So many people will tell you that as an entrepreneur, if you want to scale, if you want to get more done in less time and with less stress, it's about hiring a better team, learning how to delegate, understanding how to use the right planner or the right scheduling system, or maybe the Pomodoro technique. Now, look, there's absolutely nothing wrong with those external tools, right? They're fine. But I can tell you this, after healing myself and thousands of other people helping them do this, it has nothing to do with anything external, not step one. That's because the first and most important step to becoming a time genius is really recognizing and owning that it's an inside-out job. And finally, Lisa Nichols, who is actually going to be at this year's Mindshare Leadership Summit. Super excited for that. She is such an incredible speaker, so motivating, and she really does teach us how to be more abundant, to be more attractive, and to be more dynamic. And no matter where you are or what your health business is, I know you're going to love this. In 2002, I get a phone call. Miss Nichols, we'd like to consider you to be the co-author of Chicken Soup for the African-American Soul. My response, thank you so much. I appreciate your invitation, but I'm really busy. I'm running a company. I'm a single mom. I'm just really busy. Now, mind you, I was busy being broke. I was busy trying to create opportunity. But what I said was, I'm sorry. My plate is full. 
30 days later, I get another phone call. Ring. Hi, Miss Nichols. This is chicken soup for the soul again. We really want to ask you to consider applying to be the co-author for Chicken Soup for the African-American. So Jack Canfield has requested that you submit a proposal. We would really be interested. We're really interested in you. <laughs> Me again. Thanks, but I'm really busy. I'm running a company. Now, mind you, I'm running a company of absolutely nothing. I mean, it was something, but it was more struggle and hustle than it was massive results. But it was something, just a little bit of something. And that with my six-year-old son, I, I'm, I'm really busy. I'm sorry. I, I Thank you so much, but now is not the right time. Now, I'm not sure if you heard yourself saying it this before. A month later, now we're into month three, I get a third phone call, Miss Nichols. <laughs> Don't quite know why you're not saying yes to this opportunity, but just in case you're interested, we're still interested. Jack Canfield is still interested in you. Are you interested? I said, well, you know what? Actually, let me just tell you, I'm a speaker, not a writer. I'm an orator. I'm a linguistic specialist. See, I'm not supposed to be a writer. I'm an orator. I'm a linguistic specialist. I, I begin to have this little rhythm down with this new excuse. So thank you so much. Four months go by. In the fourth month, I get a, another phone call. <laughs> Miss Nichols, we told Mr. Canfield that you said you were busy, but he, he asked us to try again. Would you consider? Are you familiar with chickens? For the soul, I said, yeah, absolutely. Who isn't? But are you aware that I'm a speaker, not a writer? I'm an orator. I'm a linguistic specialist. Yeah, I've gotten used to my reason now. It starts sounding good to me. I had it down and I'm a speaker, not a writer. I'm a linguistic specialist. I start liking the sound of my own voice. Five months, five months later, I get a fifth phone call, 30 days after the last phone call. And in this phone call, the caller said something that disrupted my soul and caused everything to change. She goes, Ms. Nichols, we thought you were a pretty smart business person. I'm like, excuse me? Are you aware that Chicken Soup is in the Guinness Book of Records as the longest standing best-selling series in the history of any series? Are you aware of that? I was like, no. Are you aware that the leverage opportunity, if you were the co-author of Chicken Soup, as your first book? Yeah. And in my defense, something jumped out of my mouth that I didn't expect to come out. I said, I'm aware that they're successful and I'm scared. Did I just say that? Did I did that just jump out of my mouth unexpectedly? I hurried and got the person off the phone. But even after I hung up, I had to keep thinking about what I said. What was I afraid of? Ah, uh, I was afraid because the last time I took an English class, I got to fail. And my English teacher told me, Miss Nichols, you must be the weakest writer I ever met in my entire life. So how could I, the weakest writer my English teacher had ever met, end up being the co-author of Chicken Soup for the African American? So it didn't make sense. What didn't make sense was how that happened 20 years ago and I was fast forwarding my past into my present. I called the person back. I mustered up the courage. And I submitted the proposal. When it was accepted, and I was selected to be the first co-author to co-author a culturally specific book, I met with Jack at his house. And I stood in front of him and I said, I need to 
I need you to look in my eyes and I need you to tell me <laughs> that I'm qualified to do this because I got to fail the last time I took an English class. And in my mind, I'm a speaker, not a writer. I'm an orator. I'm a linguistic specialist. And he said, no, you're a writer. You just might need some editing help. You might need someone to tell you where to put the period or the comma, but you're a writer. I share that story because somehow when I was moving into this new part of my life, into this new season, I couldn't quite see how I, the old me, could fit in this new paradigm. How I, with all of my history, can fit in this new possibility. In this time, in this moment, where all the shifts and all the pivots and all the change, in this time, you're being invited into a new paradigm. You're being invited into a new possibility. And in order for you to step into that, there's some old conversation that absolutely does not fit inside your future. Oh, man, when I figured that out, when I figured out that there were parts of Lisa that I had outgrown, there were parts of the conversation that I had outgrown, parts of the conversation like I can't do good and do well, that if I do good, then I'm not supposed to do financially well, that if I do too financially well, it means that I'm not as good of a person. I'm not as spiritual. I'm not as committed. I'm not as something. I had to give myself permission to outgrow that. I had to give myself permission to outgrow as a woman. I, I, I may not ever be able to stand as boldly and as powerfully as people like Jack Canfield or, or people like Bob Proctor or people like T. Harvecker or Les Brown or whoever you might name. All my brothers from another mother now. I had to give myself permission to outgrow that conversation. I had to tell that conversation and that mindset, you don't fit in my future. I need to leave you right there. And so I invite you to begin to look as you're going through and navigating this journey through Mindshare Leadership Summit 2020, as you're hearing all the profound speakers and JJ and Carl giving you content Constantly challenge the conversation that may say, hold on, that's not for me. Hold on, I'm not ready for that. For the conversation that says, I'm a speaker, not a writer. I'm an orator. I'm a linguistic specialist. I look up now with seven bestsellers under my belt and I laugh and go, no, I don't have to be a speaker, not a writer. I could be a speaker and a writer and an orator and a teacher and a whatever. It's just a matter of creating. And what better time than now to craft who you are becoming, all of this extra unexpected spaciousness around us, all of this unexpected energy that you get to turn inward, you get to redesign, you get to reevaluate, you get to recalculate, you get to recommit, you get to realign, you get to re-energize. All of this unexpected opportunity and the unexpected spaciousness, this isn't a bad time. And this definitely isn't a downtime. Please don't get it twisted. The truth is, this is the time for gladiators and change agents and movers and shakers and leaders and healers like you, like myself, to anchor down and go, okay, call me to the next best version of myself. I'm ready. I see the need in our children. I see the need in our families. I see the need as a healer. I see the need as a professional. I see the need as humanity. I see the need to use my voice. I see the need to hold my voice, own my voice, craft my voice, shape my voice, and then share my voice. I see the need. 
I, I see that the need is greater than I can meet right now. So I'm going to do as much as I can in my time. I see the need. Call me to my job. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I want to live my life on the playing field. Call me. Send me in. So whatever your divine higher power is, always say, send me in. And I'll get it wrong a thousand times, but I'll play full out every single time. I'll get it wrong a thousand times before I'll get it right. And I'm okay with that because I'm not committed to just doing it right. I'm committed to being in action. Whew. See, sometimes you get confused. You want to make sure you're right before you take action. And the universe is asking for you, please just take action. Please take action because you're 70% right is 100% of what somebody's looking for. Ooh, we, you don't understand. See, I'm so glad that I was willing to run and leap and figure out, am I flying or am I falling? Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to run and I'm going to leap because you want to spend a lifetime testing out your wings. You don't want to spend a lifetime looking at the colors from the sideline, wondering how do they work. I want to spend a lifetime testing out my wings. What does it feel like to trust me? What does it feel like to trust that you're smart enough, you're bright enough, you're young enough, you're wise enough? You're what we need right now. Hmm. And so I stopped by as your sister friend to say we are in a whole new time of opportunity, demand, requirement, intention. We're inside an entirely new time that pulls something and requires something from you that you've never, ever given before. So you can't do this, what's required right now, using 2019 strategies. You can't, you won't get through this using 2019 strategies. So that old system, bless it and release it. And now it's time to adapt and thrive. What does the pivot with purpose look like? What does the change with courage look like? What does the full surrender look like? What does play bigger, play better, play stronger look like? What does using more hours a day to achieve more impact a day without have being more exhausted in a day? What does it look like? What does serving you first look like? What does the triple great look like? Great impact great income, and great life experience. What does that look like? Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Health Business Growth Show. Like we said, super excited for the upcoming Mindshare Leadership Summit. We do hope that we see you there. Feel free to go ahead and rate this episode of the Health Business Growth Show. And until next time, bye for now. Here at the Mindshare Collaborative, we are committed to helping you increase your vision, income, and impact. One of the first things we'd love to support you on is adding a high profit leveraged income stream so that you can enjoy more time and money freedom. And to help you get started, I've created the Health Professionals Playbook for building multiple streams of income that identifies five proven strategies for creating a sustainable income beyond your primary practice to create time and money freedom. To get your free copy as my gift to you, go to ms365.io forward slash MSI. That's ms365.io forward slash MSI.